began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Calum Stewart, Enzo Tamlini back with you once again. Plenty to talk about in the last week. Not only are we still in the news here, there and everywhere, we've had two games in the last week, so we need to go back and recap them. And of course, we've got a game coming up this week in the Scottish Cup, another trip back up to Inverness. Calum and Enzo, how are we doing? Hi, not too, not too bad. It's uh, it's been a while since we started a podcast, and we don't have any goals to talk about. But aside from that, all good, all good. Yeah, pretty much the same thoughts as Callum here. I was uh, I was wondering whether we'd have too much to say going into this because obviously we've been used to a team that's just been been banging them in for fun, and and uh, that's not been the case recently. But I, I'm I'm not concerned about that. No, it's uh, as you both say, it has been a a quiet week certainly on that front, but. There is still plenty to talk about. We are, as I say, all all over Twitter for um, some good and some bad reasons. So let's get through the games and, of course, order the news and let's just get stuck right into it. We're going to go back to last Wednesday where we took on Wraith Rovers at Ockleview, the SPFL Trust Trophy quarter final. Now, going into that game, uh, obviously, the week, the Saturday previously, we had played Inverness in the league, and Owen Coyle had hinted at nine or ten changes. We obviously spoke last week, and we gave starting lineups where there was, I think, I think between seven and eleven changes. There were plenty of changes in the starting lineup. There were nine in total. Let's have a look at that starting lineup and see what we all think of that lineup. So, in goals, it was Callum Ferry. Then it was a back four of Alex Bannon, Jason Naismith, Stephen Ezzy and Cammy Bruce. Midfield two of Callum Bigger and Mal Boateng. Then it was Louis Longridge, Patrick Jarrett and Aaron Healy with Scott Williamson leading the line. So we set up in that same, the sort of 4-5-1, 4-2-3-1, whatever you want to call it. But as we say, nine changes there. Callum Ferry and Mal Boateng, the only two keeping their starting place from the game against Inverness. Uh, Enzo, what did you make of that lineup? Were you happy with it? Were you was? Did you have any question marks about it? No, I, I wasn't. I wasn't particularly surprised anyway. I mean, we all knew that Coyle Coyle didn't hide the fact that he was planning on making wholesale changes for the game, and that's kind of along the lines of what I was expecting to see. I think we all thought that realistically, Ferry might be one of the one of the starting eleven who would retain his place in that team and. And I think we even hinted that possibly Boating or even Thompson might have been in there with him. Um, so no, it, it wasn't much of a shock. I'll be completely honest with you. Going into that game, once I saw that lineup, any any, I don't think it's fair to say that I lost interest because I was still I still wanted to watch the game and I was still hoping that we would go through. But it lost any real kind of serious feeling about it for me because obviously. It's not the most prestigious of trophies, and yes, we've talked about this in the past, it'd be brilliant to see us win it, but when you see that Coyle clearly isn't making it a priority, then at that point, you, you just kind of feel as though, right, okay, we'll, we'll get this over and done with. If we go through, it'll be nice. If we get put out, it's just, I probably won't think about it twice afterwards. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and the fact that he didn't bring on Simon Murray at any point when we were searching for a goal when he made that, uh, those couple of subs kind of says it all in terms of Coyle's thoughts towards the the game in that competition, I guess. I was kind of like the the lineup and the wholesale changes were expected based off of what Coyle had said. And I was kind of looking forward to seeing the team that was put out, to be perfectly honest, because 
whenever you get games like this, it's an opportunity to see like who's ready to step in, who can make an impact, who's who's not going to make an impact. And I think we've seen a bit of both of that, uh, both sides of the coin there, because we got our first proper look at Aaron Healy. And if there's any positive that we can take from that game, I think it's his performance. I mean, the guy is tiny, proper, proper small, and he looked like a wee boy on the pitch. But he was excellent. He took his man on and he got past, he, he done there right back, must have been four or five times. And suddenly you feel like, okay, there's a wee bit of depth there should Thomas or McPake not be available because he plays in that same sort of ilk as Thomas, I think. He's quite direct. He was quite happy to run it, guys, and he got in a lot of good positions. Um, I think the other surprise I had from that lineup was maybe Callum Bigger. We've kind of not seen or really heard of him in a long time. And I think we talked about it the week before that perhaps they were trying to give him a wee bit of game time um, to to bring him in for, for this. So I thought he he done all right. Um, and again, when you talk about squad depth, I think you mentioned it last week, David, or the week before, that if Mal or uh, Jack Thompson aren't playing, we, we've maybe not got the greatest amount of depth there. So there's a wee bit of bedding in there. But on the other side of the coin, there was a lot of, I think pretty subpar performances which I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on as we go through the game yeah let's start and have a look at the game um we won't spend too long on it i suppose there is still plenty to talk about it says especially if we're going to look at the you know the players that were in the players that we're maybe not used to seeing that often right now and and how they did and whether they did stake a claim as to you know whether it's a starting place or or just getting more minutes in general going forward. Uh, I do have to agree with you um, on Aaron Healy. I I still, th- I mean, in the first half, in general, we were pretty subdued. Um, I still thought he was the sort of best performer in the first half for Queen's Park, especially going forward. Um, but in the second half, he just seemed to completely come alive. And Owen Coyle did mention that post-match. Um, he said that, you know, he told him in the second half to, kind of changed the way that he was playing. He was telling him to get at the guy, you know, get at the right back a little bit more. And as you said, Calum, you, you definitely seen that. He was, he looks like a, a tricky wee player. He looks very handy there. I'm I'm very interested in seeing him going forward and I'd like to see him get more. Is it unfair to maybe be putting that on him already? But I think he, he looks, he like he's definitely going to contribute as we thought he might. He's definitely going to be a, a contributor in the second half of this season. Well, he'll definitely get some time off the bench, 100%. I would be amazed if we see him starting any games anytime soon because that I think for that to happen, we'd have to find ourselves in a bit of injury trouble and, and fingers crossed that doesn't happen. But no, I totally agree with everything you were saying. He looked really nippy when he came on. He looked as though he wasn't afraid to run at the defence. And uh, it's it's also it's also important to highlight, granted, it was, it was a relatively weakened Wraith Rovers starting 11 compared to what we saw when we went through to Kirkcaldy to play them. When was that? Was that the start of December, end of November? I can't exactly remember the date, but it was a weakened side, but it, it's still a massive, massive step up from what, from what he's used to playing at. So I know it, he looked fantastic and uh, probably, probably the biggest positive to take away from that night. So yeah, in terms of the, the first half performance, well, in terms of the the game in general, if you look back at uh, the BBC sort of report for the game and you look at their stats as they recorded it, um, Queen's Park huffed and puffed throughout the game but didn't have a single shot on target, apparently. Um, you look back at the highlights and aside from the, you had the sort of cross 
slash shot from, I'm not entirely certain, it was Longridge out on the right-hand side. I'm not 100% who it was that hit it. Um, the Wraith goalkeeper did tip that over the bar, so that I don't think that's been counted as a shot on target. Um, it was a tough day at the office when, when you were talking, Callum, about players that maybe didn't perhaps take advantage of the, the occasion. What did you make of Scott Williamson's performance? Because to me, he, he definitely struggled up there on his own. Um, he's not maybe quite ready to replicate Simon Murray and to fill in, you know, as a 1A, 1B for for him. But we've seen it back at the beginning of the season when we did briefly play like the 4-4-2 and we had Murray and Williamson together and the two of them were really good there. Was it a case of Williamson just really not having the support around him that he needed? I think we set up totally wrong to try and support him throughout that game. I th- honestly, I think the biggest hindrance that we had was playing out from defence. Both Naismith and Eze for the basically the entire game were just punting long balls and to to nobody really. I mean, you think of the quality that we've had from Kilday and Fox. Used to we used to typically just refer to Fox as the one who passes it out from the back. I think Kilday's been absolutely fantastic um, on all aspects of his game recently. Uh, but I think he really struggled with that and he just didn't have as many opportunities. Granted, I also think that is coupled with him generally not having a, a fantastic performance. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because we've seen the we've seen the impact that Simon Murray's had with the guys around him, like Savory, like McPake, like Thomas, Charlie Fox. And having that full squad supporting Simon Murray as that focal point is very different than having the team that Scott Williamson had supporting them there. So I think it's a hard one to judge. I mean, there wasn't that many guilt chances where I was thinking, my goodness, he should have put that away or whatever. It just felt like he never really got the opportunity to to make an impact for me. I agree with everything you're saying about Williamson. He, he never really had the service to show us what he is capable of, and I do think he's a very capable player. Again, probably still adapting to this level of football. And... One of the one of the biggest takeaways from that night, and this is this isn't to discredit his performance or say that I don't think he is good enough for this level, because I think Scott Williamson should never really he was never supposed to be our backup option to Simon Murray. He was always supposed to be third or fourth choice striker and other things haven't worked out and, and it's pretty evident to me that we still need somebody that can fill that role on the off chance that Murray isn't available for one reason or another. And Calm, you mentioned about the uh, playing out from the back and perhaps not really taking that, um, you know, playing with that to our advantage. Certainly in the first half when we were humping long balls up, it was it was really difficult. We not, we've not actually mentioned the, the wind and the rain on Wednesday night there. It was another really rough game uh, for the weather. However, it was in the second half where playing out from the back really cost us. Um, a little bit of play on the left-hand side as Wraith Rovers were attacking their left. They had a couple of passes um, between each other. The ball then broke to Stephen Eze, and he looked to play out from the back. It looks like he looked to sidestep his uh, the, the oncoming uh, attacker from Wraith. Instead, just kind of kicked the ball right off him. Unfortunately for us, it then bounced straight to the six foot eight John Fredrickson, who had been a bit of a donkey all game, and by all accounts, seems to have been a bit of a donkey all season. No matter how nice a guy he seems to be, and everything like that, the else is coming out. Um, on the park, he seems to have been a little bit useless. How fitting does it seem to be that we managed to play him through one-on-one and he slots under Callum Ferry for, for the first goal to make it 1-0 Wraith Rovers? I know, it's uh, 
Aye, two two big guys that aren't having the best of times at both their clubs. I don't think, isn't it? Um, I felt I felt a wee bit sorry for Eze. I mean, he's clearly coming in cold to that game. He's not really getting any game time at all because Kildare and Fox are doing so well, and he looks like a guy that's that's struggling for for com- confidence. And I don't really know where you go from there because I don't see him getting any more game time, barring any massive injuries. And unfortunately for him, I don't think he put much of a claim to it. Or he didn't put any of a claim to it on on that game either. But it was a good it was a good finish by the 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 Faroese giant. Um and I think he had a, a an absolute wonder goal opportunity at the end, which Cal Ferry managed to to prevent him from. But he seemed like a, a relieved man, but I don't think he'll be getting a particularly much amount of time for a race for the rest of the season anyway, because aside from his sort of fleeting performance here, I don't think he's up to much. I think Wraith fans were quite excited when they signed him because at the time they were desperate for another striker and uh, he's not really met their expectations. Although to be honest, like when you look at his career so far, he doesn't. He's not come from. He doesn't have much pedigree. Like I, I'm not massively surprised. It was always one of those ones where you thought this could be a serious flop, but he took his goal well. It was a good finish. Ho- horrible defending, absolutely horrible defending. Nowhere near good enough. And and as you say. It makes you wonder realistically where we go with Eze at this point because he's obviously even beyond this season. We've got him for another year, and I just I, maybe maybe I'm being harsh, but I have absolutely no confidence in the guy. And it was on paper it should have been quite an interesting matchup, you know, the six foot eight forward and the the six foot six defender. But Eze ended up coming off looking much worse in the end. The Fredrickson one is it's an interesting one for me because you kind of question where his future lies as well. I, I, I don't think, from what I've read online, uh, Ian Murray has actually been quite vocal about the fact that he maybe he doesn't train particularly hard, he, do, he doesn't look great behind the scenes, and that's why he's not even been getting many many chances off the bench. But the, the squad is so thin right now that I think I think they might actually be forced to rely on him at this stage. Yeah, they only yeah. had, what, three three subs, I think, on that, on that game, didn't that's they? Right, they, brought on, yeah. they brought on a couple of them, so they are proper proper threadbare yeah they've, they've recalled a guy uh, from loan who was up at Brecon and I don't think it's necessarily because they think okay he's, he's developed really well and he's ready to make the step up I think it's just because they're they're a bit desperate at this point I did you did you read the PR for that it was absolutely tragic I would have been gutted if I was that guy getting called back and seeing it because I think the the actual wording for it is basically we've recalled him from Brecon because uh, of the, the fact essentially that we've got eight players and it's like alright thanks <laughs> cheers, cheers for the vote of confidence guys aye well uh, hopefully rubbish then yeah uh, on on Big Fredrickson I had uh, I, I listened I think it was the was it the, the the view for the terrace or the, the lower league podcast that they do and I think right, the guy okay. is on there I think the guy is on there I think one of them is a Wraith Rovers fan he mentioned he's heard that Apparently, Big John, obviously, he's, he's here from the Pharaohs, he's away from his family and all that. Apparently, one of his favourite things to do is to go to the local chippy. So, <laughs> maybe that maybe that just really rubs... Mm. Uh, rubs taking the culture, the don't you? Uh, you that... de- I mean, there's not much culture in Kirkcaldy, is there? So, uh, that must be what it is. <laughs> I can't imagine a, a fish supper will do you much good at it before going out to train for a couple of hours. Or maybe it does it afterwards, I don't know, but... I suppose it, it must be quite difficult for a guy coming from... I realise that the Faroe Islands aren't that far from Scotland. I mean, realistically, we're probably the closest <laughs> the closest country to them, but it's still a bit of a change in his lifestyle, and I would imagine his, his support network isn't isn't close by either. And, and if things aren't going too well in the park, then he's, he's maybe struggling a little bit. So if he can take comfort in the local chippy, then, then that's something at least. 
Maybe get maybe need to get Ezzy round to best chippy in Mount Florida <laughs> and see oh. if I as well. I say I mean you could see see all those things that you've just said about him about Fredrickson, you could say that for Ezzy and yeah, you know, definitely I do hope, I do hope that um I, I still hold out the hope. I mean, yeah, he's had a rough sort of time of it recently. You know, he've obviously when we when he was in the team, we weren't really performing particularly well. He's came out the team and um, you know, the defence seems to have shored up quite an awful lot, whether whether that is just a coincidence or whether it's a change in obviously how we played, because we've been a lot better attacking as well. Um, I still hold out some hope because I mean we've seen it with players. I mean we've seen it with some of the players that you know we'll come on to talk about that were in the starting lineup for the Inverness game on Saturday. Just there, and that we'll want to see this week coming. Even compared to last season, there's some players that have completely turned it around. I do still hold out that hope <laughs> for them. I'm sure we all do, but yeah, there, there's there's no doubt in that it's it's been a a rough time for the big man recently. Yeah, and that's why I'm kind of loath to totally write him off because we've done that like ourselves on so many of the guys which are performing really, really well in this team right now. So I think he's clearly not going to have any massive impact this season. But I mean, I don't know. They, they keep going on about the football and philosophy and the way that they're trying to get these guys to play. So maybe with a wee bit more time and full pre-season, all that kind of stuff, Coyle can can work his magic on him. We can, we can only hope. But um, there there were some other good points, I think, from that game to talk about because it was the first time that we've got to see Cammy Bruce in a while. And I don't think he'd done particularly bad. I don't think he had as much um, attacking threat as Robson Robson does. But I thought he done all right. What do you you guys think? Yeah, he looked okay. I mean, he's, he's... It's easy to forget that Cammy Bruce is still what? What is he? He's just is he just turned seventeen or something like that? Aye, he's, something he's, like that. He's very, very young. So stepping up into the first team, even if it is just a Challenge Cup game, is is I can't, I can't even imagine playing against a, a bunch of fully grown professional footballers at that age. And I know that he's in and around the first team and, and he's training with with uh, with guys of that caliber. But it's it's some upgrade. It's some. Going from you know playing under sixteens or under seventeens or whatever it would be, so I, I I thought there were a couple of moments, if I'm being completely honest, where he looked slightly shaky, but he he, he gets the benefit of the doubt. Like it, I I think it'd be incredibly harsh to, to be critical of you know to be too critical of his performance anyway when you, when you take into account just how young and inexperienced the guy is. I think he um he he, he certainly put in the biggest penalty claim that we had of the night because when I was watching back through the highlights. I think there was three solid shots yeah. for a penalty. A couple of them could have been a wee bit harsh, but the second one, Davidson passed it through because uh, Davidson came on at defensive mid and then he passed it down the left towards Bruce. And Bruce just crosses it straight across the box and the guy's running, to the Wraith defender's running towards the byline and he's trailing arms out to the side and it, it does just hit off of him. So I think he had a decent shot there. Um, but there's a couple others in the game where I think I think we were harsh not to get something. That second one definitely. I was going to come on and mention that um, the the penalty claims. The second one, obviously, it's, could be accused of black and white tinted specs. But to me, that second one is a stonewaller. The first one is obviously the shot from um, it's Malboating twisting and turning, coming in from the right hand side. He hits a shot and it it does hit a defender's arm. Maybe the defender's kind of close. I can't really tell where the arm is from the from the highlights. Certainly shouted for it at the game. Um, that one was close. The third one at the end with McPake, um, the defender's right in front of him. There's like two or three defenders right in front of him and it hits one of them, maybe even two of them in the arm. That third one, that one was a bit of a hopeful shout, in my opinion. Um, the defender was right in front of him. There's nothing he could do. And his arm was 
in his body, I think. But yeah, that second one that where the the Bruce Cross, I can't believe the ref never gave that. And we've not done it very often, but just in general, I thought the ref had an absolute howler in that game. I, I I agree with you. I think I think the third one in particular would have been very soft. I mean, I I definitely claim for all three of them on the night, and and I will continue to claim for everything. That I think goes anywhere near a defender's arm in a situation like that. But yeah, it was it was a bit disappointing. But listen, it's 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 not the end of the world. It, in fact, now that we're out of that, now that we're out of that tournament altogether, I'm now at the stage where I'm hoping that Dundee beat them firmly, and I'm hoping that they they get to the final as well, just to give them as many fixtures as possible, because they've obviously got a wee bit of congestion with our uh, with our league games that have been called off too. Um, so I would have been very disappointed had we lost that with our with our starting eleven. But we didn't. It was no one near a starting eleven. We we gave a lot of guys a, 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 the chance to to play in the first team, which is great. And 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 I don't think I don't think anybody's too disappointed or too hung up on that. Uh, like, I mean, I I was I, I I wanted to get through in this competition. I'm not going to lie. I think it's a it's obviously our best chance of winning a, a cup competition. So I, I would have liked to have got through. But with where we are in the league right now, there's just no way that you can risk it. I mean, imagine you put on Simon Murray and something happened to him, God forbid, um, during that game. It would have been an absolute disaster. So, yeah, um, I, I, I can see positives from the game, like Aaron Healy and, and Cole getting some game time, seeing what they're like. But, um, yeah, as you mentioned, not going to lose any sleep over not being in that competition. And you're totally right in what you say, Enzo. I would like Dundee to get to the final. And do they do extra time in the final in this competition? I don't know. But if they do, fire them through extra time as well whilst we're there. We did run a poll on Twitter. And aside from the number one option being that we should just win both the Cup and the League this year, the the second most popular option was that the League is more important than the SBFL Trust Trophy. Therefore, we're going to end it there. Um, I suppose we have to round off and give a man of the match. Um, Callum, I'll put you on the spot. You first. Hey, I oh goodness. Um, I think I will give a debut man of the match to Aaron Healy. I think everyone was pretty average, and he was the the bright spark from the game. I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he was the most exciting player on the night. Whether it was whether he was the best player on the night or not, I'm not totally sure. But that excitement is enough for me to to say that he was man of the match. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you based on precisely what you've just said, your explanation you've given there, Enzo. Um, it was a tough game all round for Queen's Park. There were maybe few standout performances. Yeah, there were a good few six out of tens, I suppose you could say. Um, Healy was probably maybe a 6.5, maybe a 7 out of 10, just stood out a little bit more. Um, yeah, clean sweep for Aaron Healy. His, his first start for Queen's Park and his first man of the match. Uh, award from us which I'm sure he'll be absolutely delighted with so let's then move on to last Saturday we went back into league action and it was in the first of two trips up to Inverness Enzo you were the um, sole podcast representative this week how how was the trip up I it was it was fine yeah I mean I've been to Inverness a few times I was there the the first time we went up this season and uh I've been even before that when we played them in a cup a few years ago. I can't remember specifically what cup it was now off the top of my head. I think it might have been the League Cup and I'm fairly certain we lost quite heavily that day. Um, and I'll be back up again next week too. But uh, I, I I quite like Inverness away. I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of any decently far away trip. So I, it, it was decent. Just, uh, just a shame that we couldn't come away with the three points. But I think... When, 
over the balance of things, a draw was probably fair enough. I can only go from what I've seen on the highlights on this one, unfortunately, but and and based off of what you've you've said as well. But it just I'm really surprised that it stayed nil nil. It looked like there was a couple of good saving. From what I can see, Queen's missed quite a few guilt-edged opportunities. Lethal day, unfortunately, I think ended up in the end of two pretty glorious chances, which, with the greatest of respect to Lethal day, you maybe would have wanted someone else um, on the end of. But it seemed like an entertaining game, and a draw really isn't the worst result, is it? Going up to Inverness at this point in January, when we've still got this bonkers fixture list throughout the entire month. And the other result that day with Air went our way with them drawing with our broth. Obviously, Dundee Thistle, probably the biggest winners on the day with both Air and ourselves drawing um, and, and them not playing due to Dundee's Timpot ground. So I think I think it's a fair result. And if we can follow up with something, uh, something miraculous when we go to Dundee, then you're coming out of January thinking uh, very happy thoughts. Oh, that's, that's exactly what it is for me. I mean, when you look at the way we've kicked off 2023, we had Thistle at home, which we won. We had Cove away. We went up there and absolutely pumped them. And then we went up to Inverness and we drew. That's actually a pretty good start to the year. And, and It's and amazing. It's absolutely yeah. amazing. Start this season, have us on this podcast and say in January that you've got those three games and you get that amount of points from it and you would bite your hand off for it. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And... Uh, I think it says a lot about how our expectations have shifted as well that we've come away from that and as obviously I'm saying it was a fair result and stuff but when I came away on the day I'm thinking oh we, we really could have won that a slight degree of disappointment that we didn't come away with all three points and, and as you say it was a bit of a strange game because and I've watched the highlights back and, and obviously I was there I feel as though nothing each is fair enough but had that finished 4-3 either way you'd have probably also said fair enough both goalkeepers were fantastic Callum Ferry was, was given our man of the match on the day and he, and he absolutely deserved it but Mark Ridgers at the other end of the park put in a great performance as well and I know that he, he'd been out of the Inverness squad for a wee while but he's been back in and their decent run of form seems to have coincided with him being back in the starting eleven. so I'm not sure if that was a coincidence but um, listen they played some good football too we we obviously like to keep the ball in the deck and, and I, I don't know if I would say that most teams in this division play a similar style, but I thought Inverness tried to knock it about. They, they weren't anywhere near as good at it as what we are. Um, but aye, they, they, you could see that they were at least trying to play football, which which was a nice thing to see. Yeah, there were definitely plenty of chances for both teams, as you say, when you look back at the highlights and um, you know, you, you'd read the match report from, from Queen's Park or indeed just anywhere else. Um, wasn't uh, what you maybe think is a stereotypical nil-nil. There were so many chances in the end, as you rightly say, there could have been three or four goals for either team and you would have just had to throw your hands up and go fair play because there were a number of good saves from both teams and a number of big misses from both teams as well. Let's have a look at the sort of game and, and how it went. Of course, the, the starting lineup for Queen's Park went back to one that we're much more used to seeing. Run through it very quickly, it was ferrying goals, the back four of Davidson, Kilday, Fox and Robson. Thompson and Boateng, McPake, Savory, Thomas and Murray up front. So, yeah, all those changes were made midweek. Back out the squad apart from, of course, Mal Boateng and Callum Ferry. And what you would expect our strongest living to be was on the park for kickoff. Um, Enzo, it's fair to say that although there were plenty of chances and the game did sort of to and fro, the first half, probably the first 30, 25, 30 minutes or so, it was perhaps in Inverness's favour, before Queen's Park really tried to turn it on 
just before half time and had two or three really good chances very close together. Yeah, I don't know if I would say it was necessarily the first 25, 30 minutes, but they certainly started out the stronger of the two teams. And I think uh, I think the second half was similar, but obviously we'll move on to that. I think they started out the stronger of the two teams, but as the game went on, we really grew into it and, and we, we managed to open them up a wee bit more and, and play that entertaining passing football that we like to play. I think they are improving though. Obviously, they, they've had a really poor start to the season and they've had some bad results, some really, really disappointing results over the first kind of four or five months of the season. And, and I know that Inverness fans are probably a little bit disappointed to find themselves, what are they? They're, they're sixth in the league, aren't they? That's I don't think anybody would have placed them there. I think most people kind of had them top two or three realistically before the season kicked off. And they've been unfortunate with injuries, but they, they do have players coming back in. They've signed Jay Henderson from St Mirren on loan and he, he was good on Saturday I think he's been good every every week since they brought him in um, and I think they actually will now be in the mix for the playoffs I think they'll probably finish I could see them finishing fourth I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them finishing fourth Well in that first half with Inverness having those chances um, we did have Callum Ferry to thank a couple of times uh, he had one sort of really really brave effort where he, he came charged now and I don't know did he get his head to the ball and sort of flick it past the, the on-rushing attacker there. But we then, of course, have to come on and talk about the the save that has been posted by a couple of different pages. I think the SPFL shared it as well. Um, it's saved from uh, Mackay's header from about, what is it, eight yards, ten yards, something like that. The ball comes in from our left and Mackay meets it, as I say, about eight, ten yards out. Heads it back across, school, back the direction it's came from, and Ferry has to get himself adjusted and gets a really strong hand down low, right almost right in the corner, and not just tips, doesn't even tip around the post, actually still pushes it wide and keeps it in, and Queen's Park are able to collect the ball and move on. Um, he had another couple of great saves later on in the, the game as well, but Enzo, just in general, Callum Ferry's performance, in a word. Brilliant. It was it was man of the match, and I think it was it was pretty much. I, I don't remember if anyone else got any other votes. I think I think a couple of people probably did, if I'm being completely honest, on the on the supporters bus on the way back. But he was fantastic, and that one save that you that you highlighted there was out of this world. I mean, the way he got down to that because Billy Mackay probably couldn't have placed that header better. It, it, he did really well. He jumped up. Listen, it was a bit of a free header, and I think the defence probably didn't cover itself in glory to give him that opportunity in the first place. But the way Ferry got down to that, and and oh, it was it, it was. I couldn't believe it at the time. I, I 100% was convinced that that ball was going to sneak into the bottom corner, but but no, he, he managed to pull that one off, and he was he was fantastic on Saturday. Um, as I say earlier on, Ridgers was good as well for Inverness, but for me, Ferry at this stage, I think you would struggle to argue against him being the best goalkeeper in the championship. I totally agree with you. I'm not I'm not sure how you could say that he's not at this point in time. If you're wanting to look at the stats on that basis, he's got the most shots in the league and we've got the third lowest goals conceded, so you've got the benefits there. And I think just the improvement in his game from the start of the season is absolutely wild because we were, I think, maybe a wee bit doubtful on whether Ferry would be the, the straight-out number one for our team this year or whether we would find the backup that would be competing with him. But the areas of his game that I think we've all called out, which is mostly the, the distribution of the crosses into the box, certainly as far as the distribution goes, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty much solved. I think he's been really, really good at that now. The crosses into the box, I'd say, still still probably his weakest area. But the difference with Ferry in comparison to a lot of the goalies that I've seen in this league is he's got those big moments in him 
the kind of stuff that wins you games or saves you points, and that is one of them. And I know that we didn't win it, Wraith, but even that save from uh, Fredrickson right at the end, like that's another proper, proper good save. And he's got that in his locker and he's been producing it for quite a long time now. So I'm I'm really, really pleased for him. And I don't know if you watched his interview after the game as well. He seems remarkably switched on and pretty driven. Like he sounded quite annoyed at his defence for some of the chances that they've been letting up throughout the game. Um, so I, I still think there's more to come from him, which is which is exciting. Yeah, he, he talks a really good game. He's any any time. Obviously, we've been we've been fortunate enough to meet him, and uh, and and I thought he was he was really nice in person. But any time we've heard him in interviews as well, he talks a really good game, and you can tell that he is he's, he's an ambitious young goalkeeper because at twenty four, he's nowhere near his prime for a goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? And. Uh, and and that's the thing we are seeing these improvements consistently. And 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 another element of his game, by the way, which I have noticed a massive improvement in, is just how vocally it is organising his defence. That's something that we had some concerns about. I like a goalkeeper that's going to shout and ball at his defence when to, to get them set up for defending corners and defending uh, free kicks and whatever else. And that's something that we've seen a massive change in as well. He, he is really he's turning into a bit of a leader out there, I think, and, and I think that's absolutely brilliant to see. But He's, he's reliable, he's reliable and the things that he does well, he does very, very well and I know it's a bit of a, it's one of these football cliches isn't it? when you say, oh he's, he's a brilliant shot stopper because any, any any professional goalkeeper should be able to stay, to, to save shots, that is that is their job but the one thing that, that he does seem to excel at is, is saving shots from pretty close up as well, shots that you, you probably wouldn't necessarily expect him to save and he's, uh, I, I, I think he's, listen I, I, I make no... I've never hidden the fact that I've always liked Callum Ferry. I think he's a great keeper and I always have. But it's, I, I think we're very fortunate to have him at this stage. And he can, he, he, there's every chance as well with the way that we play football that if you've got a goalie that is particularly subpar that they could get exposed. Just by the nature of the way that Coyle sets up, we're a very attacking-minded team and he's got his guys pushing forward. Teams are going to have chances throughout the game. And you met, you mentioned the one earlier on with uh, Ferry coming out the box to head it away after Ridgers, I think, just basically punted up the park and it just cleared all of our defence and ended up 1v1. He's also very, very quick off the line and I think that leads into what you were saying, Enzo. Like he is good in those sort of scrambling situations, which is really, really, really important. Yeah, I agree with you um, both. He's definitely came on leaps and bounds from when he came into the team last season and he did have... You know, plenty of shaky moments, and he did have things that caused concern for for the fans. But I, I, I'm very much on your side, Enzo. When when you say that you're not going to hide the fact that you're a big fan of his, um, I agree with you totally. And I don't see the need for you know we're still in the transfer window. Um, I don't see the need for going and get getting you know another goalkeeper. What would be the point? Where he is the number one. He's completely solidified it in my opinion, and. Why why would you bother? The only thing I suppose that we could possibly consider doing is because we've obviously our backup at this stage is is Jack Herity, who is a, a young keeper who's had very, very limited first team game time and in his defence I think he's been he's looked relatively competent considering how little experience he has when he has been forced to play. There's a part of me that'd like to see him go out on loan and get a bit of real experience, and obviously that would mean that we'd need to bring in a, a real backup to Ferry. But it's not my priority for this window. That's that's something that we can possibly reconsider in the summer, depending on, I suppose, depending on what division we're playing in. Yeah, definitely, that's very much up in the air, and we 
got to see how the season goes before we uh, make any big decisions like that. But yeah, a- another great performance from Callum Ferry on Saturday there. And uh, well, he was the man of the match on the supporters bus, as Enzo says. We'll find out if he's our man of the match shortly. Um, see, Queen's you know, did well, came back into it as they've, despite Inverness starting the better team. Queen's came back into it and had a couple of good chances in the uh, first half. Dom Thomas and Simon Murray causing a bit of bother as per usual. Simon Murray had a great chance shortly after the, the second half kicked off, Enzo, where um, it was a, a great through ball played and he, he sort of twists and turns left back. I think he gets a, a wee nutmeg in there, gets a shot off and it's actually saved and it goes out for a corner. Oh, I was I was convinced that this was in, by the way, and, and if it had been in, it would have been a fantastic goal because it was a really, really good run from Murray and it was a good ball in the first place that he, that he managed to pick up really well. Yeah, he did. I think he did nutmeg the, the, the left back whose name I can't remember, but... Um, fair play to Ridgers he, he managed to get a touch on that and, and I think it probably was going in and if it had gone in you're looking at possibly even a goal of the goal of the season contender there and then as we keep going on into the second half you know again it sort of kind of started going a bit more like you know like the race overs game as I said before where we huffed and puffed we had a couple other good chances Murray had a free kick um, didn't come to anything there was those two chances for Lee Caldero, Callum. You mentioned them earlier on. Do you want to talk us through them? Yeah, so he, he, he had one um, where I think it was right at the end and the ball gets whipped into the box. Inverness players seem to just miss everything and it kind of lands at his feet and he's 1v1 and he skies it. And then there's another one where it was, uh, I think it was Murray who has a shot on goal and then the ball just sort of parries out to Caldero and he actually stands on the ball, unfortunately, three yards out. And it obviously, obviously doesn't take the opportunity. But that's going to happen sometimes with the amount of goals that we've been scoring this season from quite a, a breadth of players. You're going to have these games where it doesn't quite come off. And I think the important thing is that was a tough side that we're playing against away from home and we're still creating a shed load of opportunities. So I'm not I'm not overly concerned and you can't really be criticising Lethal Day for not scoring goals, can you? That's That's got to be the job of our, our forwards four so yeah a shame but overall not the worst performance that we'll see this season I don't think no it wasn't and and as you say there Callum this is this is a team that are on the up they they've had a couple of big wins recently obviously 6-1 against Cove 4-1 against their broth they're scoring goals and we managed to prevent them from doing that and I think they are probably on the best form that they've been on all season and I, I really don't think we should be too disappointed about that no, and I, I, I think I'd mentioned this when we did our re-predictions a while back on who would come into the top four, and I think I had predicted that Inverness might go on a wee bit of a run because there's no reason that they should maintain that form for the entire season, do you know what I mean? They've clearly had a million and one players out, and I think we're seeing the impact of just a couple, like having Jay Henderson, for example, on the squad from what we've from what you've seen and from what we've read online, he's already changing that team around, so... I think they'll still continue to do okay and uh, hopefully they can take a few more points off the teams around us. Well, that's exactly it. Yeah, now that we've played them three times, obviously we've got a, we'll have another game against them towards the end of the season, but um, I don't mind them going on a wee run until it comes to our turn to play them again. So, I fingers crossed. Hopefully after next week, though. <laughs> well, aye, after next week, aye. aye. And um, not such a good run that they catch up with us. Yeah, exactly. a very specific to... limited run that does I... okay but not too good. <laughs> all setting all these criteria for all these other teams. Yeah, exactly right. So, well, there we go. That 
I'd say that pretty much covers everything in the Inverness game. Say no goals to talk about, unfortunately. Thankfully, no goals conceded to talk about. The game did finish nil nil. Um, there were plenty of chances. It was a good. Um, it was a good watch. I'm sure for those that were there. Um, I suppose fingers crossed that the Scottish Cup game this coming Saturday is another good watch. But there's a couple more goals for Queens Park flying in. Um, our man of the match, Enzo. I'll come to you first this time. Well, surely I just get to decide since I was the one that was there. Okay, yeah, if you want to do that, then... Because <laughs> well, I mean, we can still go by the highlights, we can still go by the reports. Oh, that doesn't give you a... That's not a fair reflection. Let's be honest, we were all going to vote for Callum Ferry anyway. We were, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it didn't matter anyway. So Jeez, you want... build up the drama, come on. <laughs> no. Well, I'm trying to get people getting a chance to make a guess, and, and you're just, no, it's my turn. It's my turn, I'm the only one that gets to see it. Oh, it was so... an easy one. Easy one. Ca- Callum, Ca- Callum Ferry, Ferry. De- definitely Callum Ferry. I was also having a wee look because, see, I was trying to figure out when was the last time that we didn't score for two consecutive games, and I worked it out. Do you have a, a rough guesstimate on when this last happened? Two consecutive games. Aye. Um, um, last well, certainly, season. yeah, it's not happened this season. So the last time was st- wow, and we. Uh, um, there was there was some horrible runs last season, but even then there was a lot of lots of draws. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just draws; it was one ones. We were always when I was looking for... back through this, there was an entire month practically where we we had one ones. <laughs> um, um, I not scoring two weeks in a row. No, not sure. Unless unless uh, the website that I used is wrong, it was uh, the Premier Sports Cup back in July. Oh, right, okay. So we lost 1-0 to Motherwell and then drew 0-0 with Airdrie. That was the That's last right, time yeah. that I could find two consecutive 0-0s for I, us. Yeah, yep. the, begin- and then, the beginning of last season. Yeah, and then Airdrie, Airdrie, beat us in, Airdrie beat us in penalties, didn't they? It was a lovely, lovely sunny day up in Hill that day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, there we go then. So that... Sums up those two games that have just been played there. Let's move on and talk about the latest news in and around Queen's Park this week. Um, we'll start with our associated teams, uh, you know, as we always do. We had, it was Young Queen's Park. Um, not quite sure what kind of version of Young Queen's Park because it was the day before we played Wraith Rovers in the SPFL Trust Trophy. So obviously that game was Wednesday. We played Hibs in a friendly the Hibs reserve squad um through in their training centre. Uh we won two one. Unfortunately I don't know who scored for Queen's Park because there's never actually been any post by Queen's Park confirming this result. It was just uh and I don't I'm not even a hundred percent if it was a journalist or if it was just like a Hibs fan or somebody in the know um who said who reported the score is two one to Queen's Park. Um yeah, can't tell you anything about the lineup or who scored anything like that. All that we know is with Young Queen's Park in some aspects or some sort of lineup beat I the Hibs. Some capacity. Yeah. I saw the I saw the tweet as well and uh he didn't even he didn't mention who the scorers were, he didn't mention who the lineups were. He was obviously going yeah. at it from a very Hibs angle. Um mentioned two scores for them and, and that has slipped my mind. But either way, Ethan, I would, I would, Ethan Laidlaw, who I think is a decent talent, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of I've heard of Ethan Laidlaw before. I think he might have even been out on loan at some point. Uh oh, I'm not hundred percent sure, but either way you would imagine that the Hibs development teams are of a decent standard, so that's that's a that's a good result, even if it is just a bounce-friendly game. Yeah, absolutely. And we also had this week uh, Queen's Park women played in the SWPL2 against East Fife. 
and it was a 2-1 victory for Queen's Park. It was Caitlin McKee, who we couldn't name to begin with last week, but we found her name, and yet she scored again this week. And it was Eleanor Smith with a 90th minute winner for Queen's Park women. That puts them up to fourth in the SWPL2. So that's a good result for them. And they are, seem to be, yeah, Hedge, they seem to be in a good wee, a good wee run of form, don't they? Yeah, they're, they're doing really well. And it's interesting, actually, because they're obviously, there are other people finding goals now at this point because they were quite reliant on, on Abby Callahan, who, who didn't score this week, and they still managed to get, get the win. I mean, by all accounts, they were they were the better team on the day and, and, and deserved it. So it was it was brilliant to see um, to see them step up with a last-minute winner, which is always an exciting thing. So, so well done to them. It's a very tight league, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all ends. They really seem to have came on to some form considering the poor start that they had to the season, which is pretty good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it keeps going for them and they can push, I don't know what the uh, the promotion sort of, how many promotion spots there are or anything like that in the SWPL too, but hopefully they can keep pushing the top end of the table there. Uh, for Queen's Park, for the, well, for the men's side, for the club side, uh, there was the news confirmed this week that Queen's Park had been awarded the Club Academy Scotland elite status, which, putting it lightly, seems to be like a very big deal. Uh, obviously, the work behind the scenes, which has obviously been a big part of the the new version of Queen's Park and the, the, the money that's involved in the club, a big part of it has been the club focusing on building building everything behind the scenes to allow us to be able to develop players, you know, to have great youth prospects coming through that are either going to help Queen's Park on the park itself or have you know players that are are an asset that can be sold and and we can the club can make money that way and be self-sustainable that way it's a again Enzo it's a really big thing for the club to achieve the elite status and you can when you read the the press release and then you look at like the SFA website as to what's required for that fair play to Queen's Park for coming up and getting this it's not the kind of thing that anyone can just apply for and get granted. You really need to put a lot of work in behind the scenes to build up the infrastructure that puts you in a place to even come close to qualifying for it. And when you look at the other clubs that have that status, it's just who you would expect. You know, Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs, Motherwell, Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, Hamilton Ackies are in there as well. But, but Ackies were renowned for having a fantastic youth setup, and I know that as a club they're in a bit of a bit of a downward spiral right now but they've developed some fantastic players over the years and it just shows you you know that this is we're in this for the long haul we, we are looking to to be serious players when it comes to youth development in, in Scotland and the really key thing as well is that it means that our youth teams from I think I can't remember what level it goes up to I think it goes up to 16 to 17 possibly. 17 right there we go they're now going to be playing against the best players in the country in their age categories, and that's the only way you're going to get better. That's the only way that these players are going to truly test themselves. And uh, it's a very, very exciting bit of news, which I don't think has really had the press that it deserves. It's it's massive. I think for a lot of people, they might not know the kind of impact that that can have at that level. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, it's not our, our first team, so it's a, it's a wee bit hidden from from public sight. But I think it's an absolutely excellent, excellent thing to to see the club investing the money and the time in. I noticed that St Mirren actually just got the status announced, so they must have just been allocating them at the at the start of January for the new year. But St Mirren have just got it, and I read their press release on it, and they said that they've been working for, towards this for a few years. And it is a culmination of a lot of different 
aspects that you need to have in place. So you've got to have the the coaching staff in place. You've seen the investments that we've put in that with the guys from the the Netherlands and obviously uh, from from Celtic as well. So we've put the money in there and the investment in there. You've got to have the infrastructure, and then that's when you look to Loch Inch. We've got the facility there. That's obviously up to the suitable standards. And you've just got to hope that that's going to allow us to attract better talent or at least put us on a par with these other teams. Because if you're a young guy and you're trying to figure out where to go, if you know that you're going to get the best facilities and you're going to get the best opportunities to play against the the top sides at your level in Scotland, then it's got to be a positive. And it's, it's kind of one of those ones where it's like, sowing the seeds for the future isn't it and you can start to see slowly slowly hopefully something that resembles what our future plan is going to look like um, and it'll be good to hear more from the club on this about how they think it will impact us in the sort of medium to long term and when we might start to see the fruits from it yeah looking at that it does say that the up all the age groups up to under 16s will be joining the the elite program like straight away uh, in January the under 18s are going to finish their season and they'll join like the elite under 18s in the new season in you know July or August time but yeah overall you're absolutely right you know the, the these young players that are coming to Queen's Park with the investments that that we've been able to make improving our facilities our coaching staff and then get being able to give them that chance to play against again these are these best teams you know you're always going to look at you know like playing like rangers and celtic they're always going to have the they're going to have the best players i think they've always have done they've always hoarded the best players haven't they at that kind of age group um maybe now the young players if they're if they've got a choice maybe they will look at queen's park we we've always had a pretty good reputation for youth development even without the elite status even without the money and all that that, that is now involved in the club you wonder if that'll maybe sway some of these young players and yeah who knows if anything it's only going to accelerate when we'll see the the fruits of of this labor as you say Kel. well that's got to be the difference for us doesn't it in comparison to these other teams like it is hard to break into <laughs> top level football within the the sort of scottish premiership so if we can be that club that has the elite facilities but also a pathway to first team football and being able to prove yourself there and as far as we are led to believe like that is the model because that's how ultimately we're going to make money off of these guys is being able to sell them on for hopefully hopefully lots and lots of cash to keep us sustainable in the longer term but that has to be the difference and you can see that like the, the way that Owen Coyle talks about the squad and what he wants to do with it he wants to bring these guys through. He wants to give them the opportunities. And I'm pretty convinced that as we stand currently, if they're good enough or if they show enough potential, they will be included. And also, I think they'll be given time. You think the amount of people or the amount of guys that end up at Rangers and Celtic and even some of the other ones like Hearts that hang about the first team for such a long period of time, they don't really get any opportunities for it and then they just drift off down the leagues. I really, really hope that isn't the case here. Um, and if we can use this properly, then that that is our sort of unique selling point, isn't it? In comparison to some of the other clubs on that list, I think uh, what you say there about these these young players that they kind of get snapped up by the bigger clubs and then don't ever really make a, an impact is a kind of it, it's 
Celtic and Rangers don't really like to see other clubs in Scotland with decent young talent and they tend to snap them up and I'm just thinking like off the top of my head a, a really good example of that is uh, Jake Hasty, who came through at Motherwell looked alright after a few games Rangers signed him and he was on loan at Thistle for a wee while I, I think he's he's been on several loans possibly down south he was down at Hartlepool and, and there's now rumours if, if he hasn't already signed there's now rumours that he might be going on loan to Cove Whereas we're not going to be doing that. We're not we're not going to be signing players for the sake of it. We'll be we'll be looking to build something where these guys can have an impact, where we believe that they will either go on to to, to make the club money by by selling them on to, to bigger clubs. Because we are going to be a selling club. We're not going to be able to hoard these guys because we want to build the best team in the country. And that's what Celtic and Rangers are trying to do. Either that or they'll be part of the, the first team plans and uh it's just it's an incredibly incredibly exciting thing and, and and i'm i'm certain we will see so many benefits of this going forward it's not going to happen overnight listen i bet there's brilliant talent in that setup already as well i bet there are some really really fantastic young players coming through at the minute who were already on track to develop into excellent professional players who might even be elevated to that next level just because they're going to have to up their game yet again because of the standard that they'll be playing at even even in these under 14s and under 15s games and stuff yeah, I mean, the players are definitely already there. I mean, we heard in the summer that, you know, Cammy Bruce, who obviously played against Wraith Rovers, like, he had those two teams sniffing about as well as a couple of other big names. Um, Callan McKenna, the, the young goalkeeper, the, the younger goalkeeper than, than Jack Herity, he, again, has also been attracting interest, and I think he's 16 or 17, maybe not even 17 years old yet. We've also got Lennon Connolly's been on the bench and had a couple of appearances as well. So we've got young players that have already started to get a chance in the first team and yeah absolutely with the longer that that we go and we've got this elite status and everything else that that is involved in the club it's only going to be a good thing and can only echo what you both say um a very exciting thing for the club going forward well done to everybody involved for getting it and fingers crossed that we do find a, a, a couple of gems in there however for all that we're saying well done to the club we're going to have a little bit of the, the yin to the yang. I think you said that, Callum, last week as well when we were talking about things because there was a, a, a tweet went out that attracted a fair bit of interest on, in and around some Scottish football accounts, Scottish football fans, where there were some pictures of the latest updates and the latest progress at Lesser Hamden. Um, it's fair to say that the photos were met with, I was going to say derision, maybe maybe disbelief. I would say I would say ridicule. Yeah, there's a couple of words there. Um, yeah, um, we've we've spoke a couple of times about our concerns about Les Hamden. As I, th- I think, the longer that we're we're waiting for Les Hamden, I think more and more Queens Park fans get more and more concerns. Um, Enzo, what did you make? First of all, what did you make of the pictures, and what did you make of Les Hamden as it looks? And then, what did you make of the reaction? So, I think Les Hamden looks nice. I think. That the stand, I was going to say the ground, because but it's not really a ground. It's just one stand into it. Because I'm not even including the wee, uh, the wee kind of director's box in that. I think it looks nice, and I'm sure it would make a great wee stand for young QP and the women's teams and 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 things like that. But that to me is miles off. Even even a League Two ground, and I know that in League Two our crowds probably would squeeze in there, and we're not going to see massive away supports. But I feel as though any club in the SPFL needs to be prepared for cup draws, needs to be prepared for potentially exciting playoff games, and you need to have more than nine hundred odd seats. It's just it, it's not 
it's just such a massive massive oversight it's frustrating it's disappointing and and what's really annoying as well is when you look at these pictures and i'm looking at them again right now as i talk and i'm trying not to laugh to be honest with you there's it, it looks to me like there's a lot of room there to do a hell of a lot more than what the club have actually actually done and uh what what do i make of the reaction or like to it from from other people around scottish football i'm surprised it's taken them this long to cotton on to how <laughs> to how not fit for purpose that ground is yeah, it's, it's it's a really, really difficult one, isn't it? Because on one hand, you've got the club trying to put forward all of the arguments about a new force in Scottish football, like the elite academy status, all these things which sort of pave the way to a new future for the club and hopefully a more positive one, all that kind of thing. But it's just not, it's just at odds with what we're seeing at the stadium and there doesn't seem to be a route to getting fixed at this point in time. I mean, the only solutions that you can really think of are they, they whack up some temporary stands for next season at Lesser and try and build the capacity a wee bit. But with the director's box that they've put in as well, I mean, obviously that completely limits that side of the ground. And then your only other option, I guess, is if you're not playing at Lesser, then where else can you play? The big stadium beside it. And I don't know if that's going to be an option for us. I'm not even sure personally if that's something that I would particularly want longer term. I'd much rather be at a fit for purpose, um, smaller ground that creates an atmosphere. Because I mean, as much as a travel to Steny has been frustrating and annoying, like it's it's good having everybody sort of close together. It creates a much better atmosphere than it does at Hamden when you're massively spread out. So, yeah, the club the club still have work to do on that and trying to bring. I, I come back to communications on all of this. It's like, how do you bring people along with you? transparency like i'm still not entirely clear on what the timelines are i think we originally hoped there was some indication that maybe january that's obviously going to go and pass will it be february um i don't know it still looks as if there's plenty to do as you mentioned endo it's a stand currently from what i can see i can't see much else past it it doesn't feel like in a couple of weeks time we're going to be changing that so i've kind of revised my expectations to be away from lesser for the remainder of the season and then you've just got to think, well, what, what can they do within a pretty short summer break to make it suitable for, regardless of what league, like if we're in the championship, I think it's the exact same problem. Obviously, the SPL, if we, if, I mean, we're getting way ahead of myself here and even suggesting that, but if we did somehow manage to get promoted, then you just can't play there. Like, it's, it's not going to work. The thing that I've seen banded about online a little bit is, you know, people saying, oh, they're not going to be allowed to play there, surely. Surely they'll not be allowed to play games there. I mean, look at it, there's 900-odd seats. As far as I'm aware, there's absolutely no reason why we wouldn't be allowed to play there. Like, I, I believe yeah, I it meets like all requirements. I believe it meets all requirements. The only thing that I could think of is if the police, for, for one reason or another, if they were looking for an excuse, because I know that the local police force can decide that a ground isn't fit for purpose, is, is potentially if we're playing against the likes of Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs or whatever, and they're concerned that crowds could potentially form on the hill up behind Lesser, which could they could maybe deem to be dangerous if they're being picky. But I, I really have absolutely no idea. But as it stands, I, I don't even want to see us play there, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, it's been difficult and... and... I think that's a fair point that you make, Enzo, about, you know, the police could perhaps step in because one of the pictures that was posted was a great vantage point a, a great vantage point from the hill that probably would be the, the away section of Lesser Hamden. Um it's it's been something that I've said ever since 
ever since the, even the original plans came out, it should have been that we should have been aiming to build like a, a three to four thousand seater stadium. Now there would have been every possibility that it would have sat half empty or or whatever for you know, a year or two, maybe, well, obviously back then, was expecting to be a couple of years in League One before getting promoted. It would have sat empty for a couple of years in League One. When you got to the Championship, it had been used a little bit more. But then, of course, because the, the club's aim is to eventually get to the top level of Scottish football, which is where even, even then, a, a 4,000-seater stadium wouldn't be enough, but it would still be an awful lot better than than, than what it is right now. It's it just feels like and there's obviously been the reasons for it. There's been COVID, there's been the issues with building supplies, you know, worldwide problems, you know. It's it's not you know, it's not entirely maybe it's not entirely on, on the club, but the plans have just never seemed fit for purpose to me, even from day one. And the closer we get to the current version of the sort of phase one of Lesser Hamden being completed it just, yeah, the, the the ridicule, as you say, is is completely justified, isn't it? I'd just quite I... like to see what phase, and I'm not sure if that has been articulated anywhere, what the sort of future phases would look like. Because see if you can present some sort of roadmap that suggests that Lesser Hamden could be turned into a ground of that kind of size. I mean, I know nothing about building or anything like that, so there'll be people much better qualified than me to comment. But if you can prevent some sort of roadmap that suggests that that is feasible, then I think you could get people on board with it a wee bit more. But as far as it stands right now, like all we can see is one stand in a tiny director's box and no kind of route to that advancing in the in the short term. So I just think I just think they need to again comes back down to transparency. We talked about it at the beginning of the season, lots and lots of stuff. I think the club could do a wee bit better and sort of communicating that to fans because you can see that people are getting a wee bit concerned about it. And I think the club might have been caught short by how well we're doing. We could easily still be in League One this year fighting for a playoff or promotion spot um, in, in that division, were it not for Owen Coyle. I don't think you then jump from getting promotion through a particularly miraculous series of games to then thinking... We're going to potentially win the league or be in a promotion battle again to the SPL. I mean, I I don't think the club could have expected that, but that's where we are. Um, so they're they're going to have to think up some sort of solution, which I'm sure they are doing in the background. You know, what I mean, we've not got we've not got unqualified people at the club. Like, the, the, I'm sure they're working particularly hard to try and find a a solution for it. But the longer it goes on, the more concerned everyone gets. Yeah, and. So you obviously say about how if they if they could present us with some kind of roadmap that that highlights how it's going to work going forward, what the future developments look like, then people might be able to get on board with that. But it's not so much about even if they turn around and say, right, okay, here's the plans. It's going to be ready um, when it's sorry when it's finished. You, there's going to be three thousand seats. Just say for talking sake, I would want to know when those 3,000 seats are going to be ready as well, because at this rate, I don't know, we'll maybe see them in 2032 or something like that. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's um, it's an incredibly disheartening situation considering how positive things are on the park as well at the minute. And uh, I suppose that's probably why we've not really spoken about this very much. 
considering things of you know it's, it's been a while since we've had a wee lesser hand in rant because we've had so much else to talk about and and the vast majority of that stuff has been really really optimistic and and, and positive yeah it um it definitely has but the reason i bring it up not only because of course it, it was on twitter but enzo you and i um Today went and spoke to Ewan Cameron and Stephen Mill on the Big Scottish Football Podcast. You may have seen last week we um, we called them out on Twitter for some of their comments regarding Queen's Park. Um, I believe it was Stephen Mill. I will hold my hand up if I'm wrong there, but I believe it was him that said it would be embarrassing if Queen's Park got got promoted. And then Ewan said that we're just Gretna. We took um, we took umbrage to those comments. We. Uh, we got in touch with them and they, and they invited us on today to, to have a quick chat with them. They obviously raised, I think one of the, the final points they raised was about Lesser Hamden and I think we both did agree with them on their podcast. Uh, Enzo, how, how how did you find the chat with them and, and what did you take away from it there? Fuck, they're a pair of fannies, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> No, listen, listen. <laughs> it was, it was, oh, it was, it was good fun to go on and have a wee chat with them. And like, their their whole shtick is clearly just being needlessly antagonistic and talking rubbish. But I think, uh, I think, I think it was entertaining to go on, get their perspective, see what they have to say about it. Um, I, I have a feeling. You know, we see a lot of comments online from people that maybe aren't big fans of the Queen's Park, and, and I don't like using this word, but the club uses the word that the Queen's Park project for one reason or another. Um, but even they seem to get a bit of stick for their comments last week, saying that it would be embarrassing if we got promoted. So yeah, it was it was it was it was good fun, and 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 it's certainly it's certainly good to be getting involved in, in with other people who work in and around Scottish football and get their take in these things because because it, it is. Uh, everybody's entitled to, to believe what they want about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I thought he's done very well. I was going to say, unfortunately, I missed, I, I had to miss it, but I'm, <laughs> in hindsight, listening to their chat, I'm quite glad that I did. It's the total, total clickbait merchants, but I, I think it was just pretty clear that they didn't really know what they were talking about on the most part. They were making mad references about, well, Dunfermline went and signed Aberdeen striker for outbid them, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, all right, cool sound, but that's absolutely not what we're doing if you took five minutes to look at our squad. And they did harp on around the stadium a lot as well. I thought it was a bit of a weird one when their whole point was trying to compare us to um, to Gretna because they were criticising us for not having like a 10,000-seater stadium like all the other clubs in Scotland had to do. And it's like, come on, make make your mind up. What way is it? Um but yeah, it's 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 a funny experience actually because the amount of attention that we are getting as a club now, it's it's almost getting hard to keep up with all the articles that are coming out because there's there seems to be new ones every day, and I seen um where was it that I seen it that Own Coil had a wee bit of a nip back at the the oh, sort that of was comments. daily record I think yeah. wasn't it daily record yeah. It was weird because it was just like one paragraph from what I read on it. There wasn't really anything else to it. It was just him basically saying, you're talking a load of rubbish, like, shop. I I think that was a bit clickbaity as well because it was pretty clear that they hadn't really spoken to him. They'd maybe just like made a comment in passing somewhere and they've tried to turn it into a, a kind of half an article. Um, but... Yeah, there's, it's every single day. I mean, even even in like the the physical newspapers, I think a couple at the weekend had had stories about us in them, and, and I'm I'm quite enjoying it. I'm not going to lie. I think it's I think it's great to see Simon Murray's face everywhere and, and Coyle's face everywhere, and people talking about us. One of the things that's, that is kind of winding me up a wee bit, though, and maybe I just need to get over it, is that 
obviously in the past you had you had people like Jim Trainer on the radio who used to slag off clubs like Queens Park and, and he, he particularly disliked us for some reason and you know the, he, he would say that they, we were parasites he would say that clubs like ours had absolutely no ambition and that's something you hear a lot about clubs like Queens Park Stenhouse Muir Albion Rovers clubs that a good decade for them is maybe spending a year or two outside the bottom tier and now that you've got clubs like ours who actually are going right okay here is our ambition and yeah we are spending money to get there people are going well you, you can't do that either like you, you can't you can't do that either like, what, what, you can't win with these people so it is what it is we, we just have to put up with it and, and hopefully the club can prove their, uh, their, their their claims about what we're doing wrong I know, yeah it's like, it's Scott, Scottish football is hardly a bastion of stability is it I mean <laughs> to try and pretend that any club in Scottish football right now can predict whether they will be sustainable in a decade is just, it's bananas. Like, you, you can't do it. And the whole argument around, oh, when hockey's money runs out, yada, 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 where will you be? Who knows? In the same sense that who knows where Falkirk will be in 10 years' time, do you know what I mean? Hopefully still in League One. But you, you, you just can't <laughs> predict any of that stuff. It's It's absolutely wild. So to try and pretend that because we're trying to do something a wee bit different that it's suddenly... Suddenly the worst thing ever. It just reeks of jealousy and that's that's what it is. And I said this last week as well. If I was on looking to Queen's Park and I was a, a similar size lower league club, I would be incredibly jealous too. Yep, a hundred percent. I think that's definitely where a lot of these comments come from. And it is again, as you say, Callum, it's just Scottish football. People love a, a story and people love to I don't know, be hypocrites or or just shit on other teams don't they for lack of a better term um you can't you cannot beat um yeah mocking another team when when your team maybe isn't quite doing what you expect it to do people don't expect us to be here it's going to ruffle a few feathers that's for sure that will do it for our little news roundup so let's look ahead to this week's coming game we're back in cup duty it is the scottish cup fourth round Another trip back up to Inverness. Enzo, you decided to come home. You didn't just find yourself a wee hotel for the week? Uh, not in January. Christmas was not that long ago, David. I'm skint. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we'll be making the trip back up. Um, thankfully, I'll be joining you on the bus this, this week. And uh, yeah, looking forward very much to uh, another away day. Obviously, we are back, as I say, in cup duty. Um, do we expect... The lineup, seen as it's now the Scottish Cup and just the league, we're now at the Trust Trophy. Callum, you first. Would you be expecting? Would you want a raft of changes? Are you back to wanting a little bit of a cup run here? Would you be wanting the strongest eleven going out, or are you happy to rotate? Strongest eleven, hundred percent. One game a week. You want to get the guys. The guys continue rolling. I don't think it's going to necessarily benefit them from having a few weeks off. So no, strong, strongest eleven for me. And it'll be interesting to see if there's any sort of changes from Inverness or ourselves because we've been so fixed in our starting eleven for such a long period of time. But after such a close game and a particularly close look at Inverness, I'm curious as to whether Coyle will try and do anything different. That might not be a personnel change, maybe it's tactics or how he approaches the game, but I can't see any obvious changes myself. I don't know about you guys. No, I, I don't think... I think we'll see the exact same team that we saw on Saturday there and, and basically the exact same team that anybody would 
reasonably expect us to put out for for even a big league game at this point. And uh, you you mentioned that yourself, Callum. The fact that this is on a Saturday, it's one game a week. That's why you have to go with your strongest lineup, and it, it's also to keep the guys sharp to to keep uh, to keep the ball rolling with this momentum. I know that we we technically we, we lost that Wraith Rovers game, but it, for all intents and purposes, it wasn't the same team that that were were uh, were relying on to do the business in the league, um, and. It's the Scottish Cup. It's it's you want to go on a wee run if you can. It's it's going to be difficult, obviously, but there's there's also the potential for for a big draw. In the, so when you look at it, there's there's two possibilities. Let's say we go through, right? Obviously, yes, you could draw a championship team and and what would be a very boring draw, and that would be disappointing. But the alternatives are either you could draw a lower league team and maybe even progress even further and who knows it's not it's not out with the the realms of possibility that you could go in a, in a decent deep run in this cup it's, it's happened to championship teams in the past and that would be amazing but then you've also got the possibility of drawing a celtic or rangers and yet it wouldn't be much of a spectacle i don't think and it wouldn't be that exciting compared to some other games but it's 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 all money for the club so I think you need to. I think you need to take this game very seriously and, and go into it with the same kind of positive mentality that we've had in the league so far you think it changes anything at all with, you know, is it one of these weird cliches where you've just played the team, you know, the week before and you're going back and playing them, not just the same team, but you're going back up to their park, you know, twice in the space of seven days. Will there, Do you think there's any temptation to make the changes at all? You know, because we didn't, I mean, we still played well. There were plenty of chances we spoke about in that game, but there was plenty of chances for Inverness at the back. You don't think there'll be any temptation at all to to try and tweak it and see if we can do something that would maybe shore us up a little bit. I don't know what that would be at the back, but can you not see Uncoil maybe trying to figure something out there? I think this is where you get a good test of a manager's capability, isn't it? Because there's going to be no material difference really in terms of player availability, form, like we're playing them literally the week after, so there's not there's not any difference there. So I think both managers have a good opportunity to kind of show what they can do in terms of what have they spotted from that game, how can they adjust to it. Um, I mean, I've only seen the highlights, but there's a couple of things that you could spot straight off the back of it with um, their keeper's distribution. I mean, I think he managed to get two or three one-on-ones just from one from punting the ball out, one from a long throw, and there was massive gaps after we'd attacked. So stuff like that. I don't necessarily think it will be, oh, we switch to five at the back or we change our formation that we've been playing every game all season because we drew 0-0 once. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be more in the minutia. I, I, t- I tend to agree with that. It's possible that maybe certain, maybe we'll just be a little bit more wary of, of certain uh, tactics that Billy Dodds will be looking to to deploy. And I think, uh, I think if anything, having played them on Saturday just there, will actually set us up quite well because we'll be even more prepared for it. So, um, no, nothing material anyway i think i think there might be maybe just certain elements about how we impro- uh, approach the game but i think uh, i think you'll see much much the same tactics and 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 you'll definitely see the same starting 11 we'll move on and do our score predictions now then there'll be no points for um a defeat and then a draw in the cup and the league we're gonna have to do a score prediction but with the potential of extra time and penalties i wonder if anybody's gonna pick that <laughs> As where the game will go, um, Calm. I believe you were last last week, so you'll still be in the same place. That is correct. Um, yeah, you're right. No points for anybody. So, um, oh gosh, I predicted that we'd beat them. 
clearly very optimistically 3-0. Not as optimistic as Endo. You had them you had this one in five one last week. Um I'm gonna go for two 0 Queens this week and I will have Simon Murray and Malbo thing. All right. Um I'm tempted to just try and be a bit of a wild card and predict a score on penalties or something like that, but given the way that the game went, there's gonna be goals in it. I, I don't I don't see it being a draw. So therefore, give me two one Queen's Park. Um I will take Dom Thomas, first goal scorer, and then Simon Murray to score the second. I'm sure I'll regret that decision, but Thomas first goal scorer and Simon Murray to win it. I actually my initial score prediction was gonna be two nothing. Uh, and then you took that and then I started to think two one and then David took that. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three-one because I think obviously, as as we said when we were talking about the game at, at the weekend, there anything from nil nil to probably three each would have been completely normal given the way that game went. So I think I think it will go the opposite way this time. There'll be a few goals in it, and I think we will. We'll, I think we'll win by a couple. So I'm I'm gonna go with three-one, and uh, yeah, Murray, Murray, and oh, I don't know, Murray, Savory, and Fox for me. Murray first. All right, nice. There we go. We never look back at the uh, the other championship games from, from last weekend's round of fixtures. Let's do that before we have a little look at what's coming up in the Scottish Cup this week. Um, last week, you had Ayr and Arbroath drawing two each. You had Cove and Wraith drawing two each. Hamilton getting a, an unlikely win against Morton. Oh, pause and... at that one. My God. <laughs> that, that that penalty. They, so they won 1-0 yeah. and the penalty that they get for that is yeah. unbelievable. It is yeah. so, so bad. And I think we've, we've, we've kind of joked a couple of times, or maybe not joked, but discussed a couple of times this season about is the standard of refereeing in the Championship worse because of our... I don't know if that's true and I don't know who the ref was, but it's true. my God... That is a terrible, terrible decision. Have a wee look up on Twitter if you've not seen it. Um, it is proper, proper yeah. tragic. I had to watch it three or four times to even realise when the referee blew his whistle. And <laughs> I haven't watched it two or three times Nobody after that. Nobody claims for killed. it. No, no, all the Hamilton players start walking away and all the Morton players do. When when they realise, like, when you see the Morton players react and it's like head and hands. I think it's, I think it is actually, is it Gillespie that gives it away? Um, he goes head yes, and hands. Yes, it is, yeah. And even then, the Hamilton players still just kind of stand about and look at each other like, all right, hang on. It's it's, it's an utterly wild decision. Nothing happens. Like, literally nothing happens. I I can't, like, I've, I've genuinely watched that about 15 or 20 times and I cannot wrap my head around how from any angle the referee thought that he had to give a penalty there. I just, I don't get it. It is probably one of the most bizarre penalty decisions you'll ever see. It just, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, slightly less surprised at Morton losing to Hamilton, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. Let's be honest, Doogie Emery, he's, he's still an Aki's boy at heart, and, and he was always going to do them a wee favour eventually, I think. But listen, the, the great escape might be on for them, you never know. You never know indeed, and Cove Rangers got a, a late equaliser against Wraith Rovers as well to give them a couple of points, or give them another point, get them climbing up the table a little bit as well. Um, certainly, Arbroath and Hamilton aren't going down without a fight, despite what we um, what we all perhaps thought they would do. You obviously had Dundee and Partick Thistle, which would have been a good game on paper, but um, unfortunately the game's played on grass, and it was very waterlogged again in Dundee for the, the second time last week. 
I see they've already announced a pitch inspection for the next instalment of Dundee Dunfermline where they've tried to rearrange the game and they're already saying that there's going to be a pitch inspection tomorrow. They, um, you said earlier on, Callum, their, their tin pot stadium isn't holding up very well in this weather, is it? I know, and the way that they announced it as well, was it like 45 minutes before the game or something like that? Not the, the Park yeah. Castle one, but the Dunfermline game. It's it was, absolutely so. tragic behaviour from them. To be fair, I think they were done in a wee bit by the the referee. From what I've read, it was basically Dundee didn't think that there was going to be any problems. And then the ref came along, looked at the pitch just shortly before the game and was like, no, thank you. Have you did you, did you see the pictures or or videos? Because I know that the the Dundee groundsman was sharing some yeah. some footage on on Twitter, and it it's just changed. honestly, it's just it's an absolute mess. I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it were off again tomorrow. To be honest with you, I just hope it's going to be fine by the time we make our wee trip up there in in uh, well, just just shy of two weeks now. Aye, because it's, it's not as if they've had the weather to kind of repair it or, or anything like that. So I think they're going to be struggling. But the more fixtures that uh, pile up for Dundee, I guess, the better it is I'm all for, for us. It. I'm yeah. all for it, yeah. Two, it's, two it's games a as week. Long as, as long as it's not our game that's postponed and it means us having to make a midweek trip there. Absolutely. Um, the Scottish Cup then, this weekend, uh, we have got plenty of games here. Um I'll just quickly run through them all. You've got Celtic against Morton, Alloa Falkirk, Arbroath Motherwell, Cove Air, Dundee United versus Stirling Uni. That'll be <laughs> maybe one-sided. I mean, Dundee United have been pretty poor this year, mind you. Um, They're getting Elgin, better. Yeah, they are getting a bit better now, aren't they? Um, Elgin City against Drumchapel United, Hamilton Ross County, Kilmarnock Dumbarton, Linlithgow Rose against Wraith, Partick Thistle, Dunfermline, St Mirren, Dundee, Stenny versus Livy, St Johnston Rangers, Hibs Hearts, and Darvel against Aberdeen. Um, God, we get such a crap draw, didn't we? Seeing yeah, there's all those so teams. many, so but, many good draws over there. My goodness, I mean, practically anyone I think I would have preferred well, was, Inverness away in January. My it's literally, we got literally the worst imaginable draw. Literally, yeah. when you when you take into account the fact that we were already up there the week before, the distance, the fact that it's another decent championship team, I truly think if you had asked me to rank every possible draw from best to worst, I would have put that as the absolute worst possible draw. So I'm just I, I just really hope that we can get through and and then fingers crossed get a, a much more interesting tie in the next round. But when you're looking at that list of fixtures, there are a few that I think stand out as being relatively interesting. I mean, I think. Uh, James McPaik has a really well-drilled team through in Dunfermline right now, and I could see them possibly possibly scraping the result against Partick Thistle. That that wouldn't surprise me too much. Um, another one that maybe be a bit more of a shock, and, and you'd probably get decent odds on it, but Motherwell, they're absolutely rotten this season. A broth away, depending on conditions. Wouldn't I don't know, I wouldn't put it past a broth either. I mean, you, yeah, you'd really need to be playing into the conditions of that one, wouldn't you? I can't I can't see that. The only one that stuck out for me is the same one that you've picked was Thistled on Fermlin. But there's always going to be something stupid happening with that many teams at this point in the cup, isn't there? So I'm sure there'll be something that none of us would predict. There's always that typical melodrama- melodramatic cup story that, that crops up. It'd be nice if it was us this year, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, would, aye, that would, would be would good. It be, would it be dramatic? Would it be a, oh, a no, sort of that's, surprise story? I would think that you can't possibly have a fairy tale with Queen's Park. You know, we've got too much money. We're not we're not allowed to win well, games. We're not allowed to enjoy listen, ourselves. It's it's worth highlighting uh, unless unless my memory is is just completely shot. I'm fairly certain the the season that Gretna got promoted from the then first division into the Premiership, they also got to the cup final that year, didn't they? So if we are following in their footsteps, then I suppose that just that yep, that's that's gonna have to happen for us. There we go. There's a Gretna comparison <laughs> we actually want. Yeah, I didn't think we'd find one of those. No, I'm I'm obviously Gretna Glasgow. That's the that's the one that I've been hearing recently on Pine Bobble oh, from that absolutely tragic thread that somebody decided to set up. <laughs> yeah, there's that some was... uh, interesting comments. I've I've not looked at it in a few days, and I don't think I ever will. If I'm honest with you, yeah, it was just inviting a pile on. I mean, it was started, I think, with good intentions, obviously, about the news about the uh, the elite. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't days, that. But it's just descended into you know the the news about the stadium coming out or the the tweet about the stadium coming out and everybody jumping on that. It's just descended into farce, and yeah, there's some highly questionable patter um, in that thread. Read it. At, at, your, at your own risk and that will just about do it for us this week Callum and Enzo it has been a pleasure as always um, Enzo look forward to seeing you next week Callum are you, you're not making it next week are you? I, I'm I'm unsure yet um, we, will, Questionable. We, we will see you'll need to be quick because the club did put out mind on Twitter that the Dundee bus is certainly fully booked and maybe that Inverness that, bus yeah. is uh, that Inverness bus will be getting close as well so you better make a decision quickly I know I know it's tempting well hopefully our discussion has tempted you a little bit and pushed you a bit closer to booking that seat on the bus so anyway as we say it has been a pleasure as always thank you very much to everybody for listening you will find us on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod and you'll find us on Pine Bovril and all the threads regarding Queen's Park, not that Glasgow Gretna myth-busted thread, but you will find us in the top of the league and your no thread. Thank you very much for listening. See you all again next week. Thanks for listening. Cheers, bye-bye. Play for the sake of the game